Can you hear me okay? Brilliant. It's great to be with you. My name is Paul and uh, welcome. Um, whether you're joining us in person, as some of you might be aware, we now uh, filmed the service, the kind of the talk bit of the service. So welcome if you're joining us there online. And if you happen to ever miss, particularly as we often do a series and you miss one of the talks, you can all catch up on them on YouTube. So yeah, I'm Paul, I'm part of the kind of pastoral leadership team here. It suddenly occurred to me this morning, I'm the only one left standing. Uh, everybody else on the, on the team has got um, COVID or just recovering from COVID. So do remember the rest of the team and pray that I'm here next week as well. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's pray and just give this time over to God. God, we just thank you that you are here. And we just acknowledge you again, and we just say that we love you, and we desire you, and we want to meet you this morning. We say, come and have your way here. We say, just come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to us in new and fresh ways. Come and change us. Amen. Man, wow, I'm looking at the clock. I've got loads of time. But um, if you've been coming the last few um, weeks, you'll, you'll be aware that we're kind of doing a, a series kind of entitled kind of Vision 2022 kind of all in. And um, in the first week, uh, Jo was speaking, and she was talking about kind of, kind of living a life of of faith, kind of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the things that we are desiring to do increasingly in this year. And Nigel spoke uh, last week, and he was just talking about some of the tensions. You know, often people want a kind of very clear and kind of this is who we are and this is what we're seeking to do uh, in this church. And he was just explaining, he was kind of giving a kind of insight and some, some of the tensions that there are. So to give you a few examples... You know, he was talking about things like, you know, sh should we employ? We had a number of people over the, the last kind of couple of years that kind of for various reasons have stepped down from being on staff. And whether we should employ people or should we just train up people within the church just to, to do that. We talked about trying to be a church where we're starting to increasingly uh, gather in person and wanting to kind of prepare for that, but also a church that's called to be reaching out and impacting our community. And some of the tensions there and, and, you know, asking God, you know, what's he saying to us, but trying to keep our focus on God. Now, Nigel was saying some of the things that there are tensions about and trying to hear God's voice. The one I'm sharing about today, in some ways there is no tension about it. This has been part of our, our vision for many years, this desire to become more like Jesus. If you've been coming for maybe at least the last term, let alone the last few years, we talk a lot about this phrase about being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing the works of Jesus. And if we say that we are followers of Jesus, we want to press into all of those. And so this morning, I'm going to just be 
going to talk and introduce you and something that we're going to be looking at in more detail, both in church and there's an opportunity, as Laura mentioned, about these kind of life groups, these places where we meet, either in person or on Zoom during the week, where we're going to press into sync this series that's going to be called Changes at Hill. If we can put the first slide up. There we go. And... Um, and this series kind of changes at Hill. It's by this guy called Henry Cloud with a lovely smile. And uh, we're going to be watching some videos. Uh, a bit later on, you're going to get the first of the videos. And, uh, and just different people's testimonies that have been through this material and the way that it has radically changed them. I first came across this material. I'm starting to show my age now. I don't know, nearly 30 years ago. And... Um, and in that time, we were doing a series called um, um, Just Kind of Skills for Living. Uh, and we were looking at some of this material that's been improved, that's called Changes at Hill. And just the way that if, as we allow God and we allow space for God to bring things to mind and then bring healing and restoration in our lives, how we can really heal and radically be change. So I want us to start this morning as part of this kind of all in and part of also just thinking about this dynamic of becoming more like Jesus because that's what changes at heal. You know when we change and we heal and we get restored we kind of go back to kind of the original design of who we're meant to be. I don't know about you but um, I have a computer at the moment and um, it's kind of going rather slow. And so I took it to the kind of computer guy, because I'm not very good at computers. And, uh, and he kind of just went, and he's sort of just going through, and it's just like there's a whole load of things here that somehow you have downloaded from the past, and they're just kind of clogging up your system. Some of those I was aware of. It was like, you know, I tried to download something. It didn't seem to work, so I kind of downloaded it again, and it turned out actually I downloaded it like three or four times. And uh, other things I'm like as one of my children been on this computer. Uh, what have they downloaded on it? And sometimes we have things like on our hard drive that kind of, we're not aware, we're kind of aware that things are not operating as they could be or they should be, and we're not totally sure. And then when we take some time, sometimes we realize that some of those things are things that we have done, some of our choices. Sometimes some of the things that are in our lives are things that other people, maybe it's our mom, our dad, our family, our upbringing, have kind of downloaded upon us and they are affecting our operating system the way that we are living. And um, if no one else, take that illustration because when we start talking about this idea of becoming like Jesus, change that hill, that's what we're talking about. We're creating that time and space to take this kind of hard drive to the master and let him look at it, let him kind of clean it up, let him begin to work in us so that we begin to operate as we should do. And so I want to just kind of look at some verses because I want to lay some of the foundation for this. So I want to look at some verses in Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 21, which should be the, the next slide. And um, kind of these verses have been on my, my heart uh, just around Christmas time, I was just taking some time to pray for myself and kind of pray for the church as we went into the new year. And these verses kept coming back, and I, I really wanted to do a talk on this, but I also knew that we were doing a series, and I wasn't sure what Nigel and Joe were going to ask me to speak on. 
but when they asked me if I could speak on this bit of our vision, this desire to step into becoming more like Jesus, to allow changes that heal us, these verses seem to kind of come alive and kind of link together. So let's just read this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people are formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. And so for me, this, this passage very much kind of underpins this series and what we're going to be seeking to to do because in this passage we have an invitation an invitation to change an invitation to kind of be transformed an invitation to kind of move forward from where we are at and step into what God has for us and in this kind of image there's some kind of blockages there's kind of like a wilderness a wasteland but God is inviting us to follow him to get into this place where there's life, where there's blossoming, where there's transformation. And this call is for us as individuals, and this call is for us as a church. And this is what it's about. This is what we're focusing in on. So looking at that verse just in a little bit more depth, because I think this invitation is an invitation of hope and anticipation. So if we just have the next slide up, just some principles. Firstly, to forget the former things. You see, changes that heal, becoming like Jesus, involves forgetting some former things. Now, unfortunately, we're not able to kind of literally sometimes forget things. Sometimes we have certain scars, certain experiences, some of the things that have happened in our life are just simply too kind of significant just to come away with this simple phrase, just forget it. Because they seem to be sometimes embedded in our hearts, etched in our memories. So it's God commanding us to do the impossible. You see, not everyone has what's called a, I think you'd call it a neutralizer. Uh, I've only actually seen clips of uh, this films. I think there's a few of them, called Men in Black, you know, with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. And if you know the film, or if you don't know the film, they erase people's memories with this thing called a neutralizer. So they forget the former things. Is this what God's going to come along and do? Sometimes he does. But ultimately, as I looked at some of the background to this passage about forgetting things, forgetting the former things, it's an invitation with God to kind of encounter, deal with the former things so that you can move into the new things. And one of the key things there is this phrase where it follows on. It says, do not dwell on the past. And kind of that idea of dwelling is this idea of kind of settling, of kind of living from that place, of kind of putting your roots down, of kind of creating a foundation and saying, this is where I am. When God talks about this invitation here of forgetting the former things, do not dwell on the past. It's saying, yes, things have happened in the past, but you have a choice whether you're going to settle there, whether you're going to put your foundations there and say, this is it. Whether you're going to put your roots down and say, that's the way I've always been. I've always had that temper. I've always been this way. My mum and the, my dad were that way, and 
It seems like I'm also going to be that way. You see certain patterns in your life. Maybe a few years as you get older, you see these patterns happening for longer and more. And it's like saying, you can change. And that's one thing I love about this passage. It's one thing I love about this kind of course that we're going to be doing in church, that we're going to be invite people to kind of connect with in life groups, and we're actually going to be running some courses. So that's what we were doing uh, in these Sundays really whets your appetite. And you think, you know, I want to go deeper, not just uh, uh, in my life group session, but to go on a course of Changes at Hill. Speak to us because we're going to be running some of those courses. This invitation to move on from the former things, to step into some of the, the new things. We can just put up the next slide. Kind of building from this, it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. See. Why does he say see? Because I think sometimes some of the things that are in our lives, some of the things from the past which are affecting our lives now, I think sometimes we don't see them because either we're so caught up in them because they're the manifestation, maybe to use that illustration of a root, the fruit is so obvious of it that we find it hard to kind of begin to look at the root. Or sometimes some of these things from the past are so kind of painful and difficult that we just bury them. We might not even be aware of them until you take some time just to allow God to begin to speak to you. And I think that's one of the reasons why God says, you know, see. We need to begin to see. And one of the things I love about this course as a staff, we actually went through this course because we didn't want to just kind of recommend something. We wanted to go through it. And one of the things is as you begin to take time with God, and say, God, why am I this way? Why are these things which I know I shouldn't be doing or these kind of thought patterns or why do I react in certain ways that other people don't seem to react? And, and somehow I can't see it. When you take time, God begins to let you begin to see again. And he lets you begin to see not just to bring kind of condemnation but to bring hope because it's like once we bring it into the light, we bring it into that place where we can see it, and in that place we give it over to God. That's when things can change. A bit like some of the songs we were singing today when we we're talking about issues of sin and just mercy of God and the blood of Christ. It's only as we bring these things into that place that we begin to see transformation. So we need to see. Secondly, we need to just remember that he is the God who I am. I've, I've known this verse for many years. It's one of these verses I memorized as a child, but this is the first time I, I saw it this way. I am. Can I mean, this idea in the present, it didn't say I was or I used to be. It didn't say I will be. I mean, those truths are there because of who God is. But I am. This is now is the season to be aware of God in the present. God always wants to meet you in the present. Now, in the present, he might give you vision and give you hope for the future. In the present, he might bring things up from the past that he wants to work and deal with. But he will always meet you in the present. And this is what we were pressing into as a church. This is what we're inviting you to say, do you want to be in on it? So let God come in this moment. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, it says, this is the day of God's salvation. Not yesterday, 
not tomorrow, though that truth is eternal. This is the day. He's the God. You know, see, I am doing something. And before focusing on the doing, we've got to remind ourselves, so he's the I am in the present. And who is the God who's saying that? That is the one who's going to bring the transformation. That's the one who's going to do the change. And he's doing a new thing. Now, that word new doesn't necessarily mean instant. Actually, the Passion Translation phrases it well. It says, I'm doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now, it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? It's a process. God is inviting us to a process of his desire to do something new in us individually and as a church. To heal. To become more like him. Because the Father is always doing things. It's a question of whether we want to connect with him in that moment. He's always up to something. And the kind of word doing, I'm not great at this, I'm aware I've got an English teacher here. You know, it's what they call a present active verb. Sounds quite good. I'm not totally sure what it means, but the idea is present and it's active. Active verb is a doing. And it's like, this, it's like I'm doing, it's present and I'm active and I'm doing it now. And I'm present and I'm active and I'm doing it now. And he's insane. See, I am doing these things. Are you wanting me to do that in your life? Because he's a good God. But he wants us to say yes to that. Do we want to step into that? And to kind of like emphasize this again, this invitation for us to kind of move from these baggage and these things and this kind of corrupt hard drive to step into the fullness of all God wants us to do. He kind of re-emphasized it with a verse a little bit later on in that passage. You know, I am making a way. As soon as God uses repetition to create emphasis. And again, he's using this kind of present active tense. That he is, like I said, the I am, not that I was, or I will be, I am. And he is making a way, is current, is active, a present invitation. And so this whole passage kind of oozes with this invitation, this hope to come into a season of changes that heal us. And so keep this kind of understanding, this kind of foundation, this principle, this hope, this reminder of God and who he is and what he's seeking to do as we play a video, which should be coming up hopefully. And, sorry, sorry. Oh, they've got no video. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, right. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm kind of used to these circumstances. We've got even more time then. But... Uh, well, we're going to play a video. In some ways, at the end, I'm going to summarize it. Normally, there's going to be a video, and normally, it's going to be a testimony. And um, in this video, um, just going to, it was going to be a little bit of sharing about a parable where there's an interesting parable in the Bible where there's a, a tree that's not bearing fruit and hasn't borne fruit for a number of years. And there's going to like this discussion like, what should be done with this uh, tree? You know, should we cut it down? And, um, and kind of Jesus, kind of in the parable, kind of is saying, don't. Give it some time. Give it some manure. And it will begin to bear fruit. And sometimes in our lives, we're aware of things in our life where there doesn't seem to be 
any fruit or we're aware of things in our life when we think why is that have you ever had that thought as I got a little bit more time maybe I'm just going to say just take a moment and just I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to bring to mind things in your life and you think why am I that way Maybe it's things that you saw, particularly some of the things that we are like, you know, it's amazing how much our parents affect us. And I don't know if you ever had this thought in your life when you were a child. Some of us have to think back further and think, I don't want to become like that. And then you kind of get this realization as you get older and you're thinking, I'm doing it just like my mum used to do or just like my dad used to do. And I said, I didn't want to be like that. Or sometimes it's totally new things and you think, why am I the way that I am like that. You know, I used to uh, remember many years ago, uh, particularly, if I'm not, way better than I am now, just being really, really driven. I didn't know about the time, but in 2009, uh, I burnt myself out. And I went to see a doctor, and they kind of recommended I did a whole load of kind of different things. And um, I was speaking to a counselor, and... um, and a Christian counselor, and we were just spending time with, with, with God and inviting God in that moment and saying, what is he saying? Uh, why am I kind of so driven? And um, this kind of phrase came in from God, I believe it was from God, which is a couple of things. But one of these was this idea, look after yourself, Paul, because nobody else will do so. And I was like, Whoa. Where is that from? I've never seen that before. You know, I just thought I'm quite independent. I was thinking, you know, I'm the perfect child. You know, you never had to ask me to do any homework because I just did it myself. And so there were some good aspects of it you could see. But there was an aspect where I didn't kind of ask people for help. I kind of figured it out myself. I kind of muddled through situations. And some of that was just a a lie that could have been built in my mind of looking after myself, but I'd never seen it. When I created some space, I began to see it. I could see some of the, the fruit of it, some of the pride in that, some of the annoyance and lack of dependence on working with other people. But it's only when I had some space. And so what are some of these things in your life? I'm sure that they're there. Those of you who are married, marriage has a great way of bringing these things up. Because they kind of, when you get married, I'm just aware some people can get married very soon. But you're kind of like, why do you do it that way? What's going on in your head? It's just that they're doing the most natural thing in their life to do from their operating system. That's why you have to go back to this kind of operating system and thinking, why is it? There's a reason in your like this, but we need to create that space and time to do that. And just kind of gritting your teeth, just like me on the computer, kind of like pressing harder and kind of like, what is wrong with this computer? It's not going to change you. And that's one of the things that Henry Cloud, if we've been watching the video, talks quite a lot about, that we see things in our life and the natural reaction for more of us is going to grit our teeth. Or if we do this or we do that, it's going to bring this change and sometimes there is some aspect of that but it's got to go to a heart level you see I was kind of brought up in this kind of church dynamic and there's a passage in the, uh, in the Bible that says the truth shall set you free and that is true 
But the way that that was outworked in my life was if I learned the right verse or the right passage, then I'm going to be changed. Now, I, the Bible is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. It does bring change. But it's not always an automatic thing. As soon as God in His graciousness does that, my dad is a great example of that. My dad was somebody who wasn't a follower of Jesus. He was doing his national service. I think he would describe himself as not an alcoholic on the verge of becoming an alcoholic. His friends decided that one night after being, him being so drunk and they carried him back from the pub and, and kind of stuck him in the mess. They stuck a Bible next to him. He woke up with a cracking headache, feeling really, really sick with a hangover. He read the Bible, he encountered God, never drank from that day on. God does that thing. I've heard stories like that. He carries on doing it. And we always pray for that. That's why we always have times in ministry where God can do things in an instant. But sometimes God takes time. I don't always understand God and where he's God and I'm not. But sometimes he takes time and he takes us through some of these things from the past, these mindsets, some of these painful experiences. And he allows that truth then to go deeper and begin to bring that transformation. So kind of coming in, just to kind of land. If we had had this video, this is what I was going to say as some reflections to, to finish it off. And in some ways, this summarizes some of the things that Henry Cloud says. Because he talks about changes at Hill. He talks about becoming better. And this call and challenge to grow. And it's something that we want to step into as a church. You see, healthy things grow. And in this church, we talk a lot about becoming like Jesus, about becoming apprentices of Jesus. And, and those who know me, I have this definition of discipleship, which is to systematically and progressively rearrange our lives to become like Jesus. Progressively and systematically rearrange our lives to become like Jesus. So that our lives, our priorities, our values, our mindsets become like Jesus. And this is ultimately what we are seeking to press into as a church again and again. And this kind of course and this material and the testimonies and the that we're going to hear around it is to do with that. To see this change, to become more like Jesus. And so my first question is, do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? Which might seem like a really obvious question. But you know, growing costs, it's, there's a pain. My, my youngest boy, um, Abraham, uh, sometimes particularly at night, he kind of starts to kind of, kind of cry out in pain. Not, not really, really loud, but he's kind of grow, going through kind of growing pains. None of the rest of my children seem to go through it. Maybe that's why they're all small like me. But um, we're kind of anticipating that um, Abraham will be the tallest. And... Um, but there is a pain to growing sometimes. Do we want to grow? Do we want to change? And that's a, that's a challenge I, I, I throw out. Laura had, a, I can't remember if it was a, a dream or a, a picture of a kind of a hole in the wall and uh, where kind of the, you know, the plaster and it's kind of all cleared away and you, you're back to the brick. And I'm very familiar with that because a number of years ago, Katie and I bought a house, and it was one of these that was kind of a total shambles. 
You know, you could get it really, really cheap uh, because it had so much work to be done in it. And a number of places, you know, the pastor would come in and just go, I can't plaster this room. I can't kind of cover over this. We have to take it back to the brick. And in some ways, that's kind of quite a painful place to go when you take something back to the brick. But it's the best place to go if you want to put something in place so that you can paint on it, you can hang things on it, you can enter into the fullness of what that room is meant to be. Now, obviously, the wall doesn't have feelings, but if it did, you could imagine it's like it's been stripped naked, this kind of covering that it had upon it, that it's been hiding behind for all these years, and now it's back to the rawness of who it really is. Do we want to go there? It's hard. As somebody has been through various things over time, you know, like they talked about the burnout, it is painful to begin to acknowledge those things in my life and I don't seem to be able to change those. Here I am, you know, I'm a, a pastor. Those you know most of my time I work overseas. And so you might use this phrase, you know, missionary is not a phrase I particularly like to use. And I can't seem to be able to crack some of those things in my life. You know, I've memorized the verses, but I still seem to be doing these things and I've had to go back to the brick wall and say, God, what is it? Come and change me. Come and work in my life. Do we want to go there? Because there will be some ouchy moments, for sure. But do we want to grow? And so that's my first challenge. Secondly, and Henry Cloud talked a lot about this in his video, and I've kind of referred to it as well, we need God. We need God's help. You know, because Henry Cloud talked about gritting your teeth, self-discipline, kind of New Year's resolutions. I don't know how many you've done. How many people did New Year's resolutions this year? Wow, is, is it like COVID kind of destroyed New Year's resolutions? Or is nobody admitting any? Actually, I didn't do any this year, but often, I don't know about you, if, I, if somebody did, I might have just said, how many are you doing it now? Oh, okay, I got somebody, great. Uh, but maybe that's an indication, any one person. Uh, because we, we can grit our teeth and, you know, and self-discipline, you know, that was something I was really good at. I was very self-disciplined. You know, did everything by the clock, literally I was. I'm a lot more mellow now than I was 30, 40 years ago. But it didn't bring that changes, that hill that lasted. And we need the grace of God. We need to allow God to encounter us, to meet us, to bring about that change. There's some great verses in Zechariah 4, verse 6. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, not by gritting my teeth, if I was going to give the Phillips translation. Not by kind of being more self-disciplined and setting the, the, the clock, saying, you know, I'm not going to lose my temper with the children. I'm not going to, and you fill in the gap. No, by my spirit, says the Lord, when we allow that spirit to bring uh, transformation. Don't want to work out. And uh, yeah, you want to flick up the next slide. We missed one slide. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you need to accept that you need God's help. And I think I put there, fasting really helps. You know, when I 
you might not think fasting ever helps in anything. <laughs> I don't want to see some, uh, reactions. But when we talk about kind of changes, it's something that we should want to be hungry and desiring. And this idea of needing God's help, fasting really helps in this. You see, fasting creates hunger. So going back to that bit about growing, you really want to grow. You know, when you're hungry, you can ignore it for a while. Then it begins to literally gnaw you. you know, your stomach begins to speak to you. I am hungry. Feed me. And, uh, and then you might forget about it a little while, but then you maybe it hits you. If you ever fasted, you can maybe get a little bit lightheaded. You get a little bit, I tend to get dizzy. And um, but how does it create hunger? How hungry we are. The other thing about fasting is fasting is a great way to bring yourself to the end of yourself. It humbles you and it causes you to realize you need God. You know, you can think that you're pretty good and pretty strong. You only need, like, to miss a few meals. And I don't know about you, then you suddenly realize how weak you are. And, uh, and so, at some point, I'm asking Nigel and Joe that we do a series on fasting. Everybody's really excited about this, aren't they? But I've seen that transformation. In one of my jo- jobs, I say, is working for this mission organization called Frontiers. And uh, we're, we're setting aside some time and leading up to Easter for kind of 40 days of prayer and fasting. That doesn't mean everybody's going to pray and fast for 40 days, but we're encouraging people to kind of stretch themselves, hear what God's saying to them and stretch themselves. And so I've been doing some interviews with different people. Those people, I've got two or three friends who have fasted 40 days and um, from, uh, from food, just had liquid. And, uh, and people who are just kind of stepping out, you know, just done a couple of meals. And uh, one of the things that those particularly who have fasted for a longer period of time have said to me is, if there's ever an area in our life where we haven't seen a breakthrough, and they're not talking about seeing God move in their countries and their areas, but they're talking about themselves personally. They said when they began to pray and fast, it changed everything. And so I've thrown that in. I, they challenged me. So last summer I decided to do my very my kind of variation of uh, kind of fasting for 40 days just because my wife didn't want me to do kind of the normal one. It was too disrupted on the family. And, uh, and I was particularly thing I was praying for, I wanted to see some breakthrough in my kids, and I'm still waiting to see some of that breakthrough. But I know one thing, for most of my life, I've been a daydreamer. And it was fine when I was a child, you know, a daydream. You know, particularly when I used to do running, you know, just you know, winning the races, doing really well. And I kind of realized over time that wasn't a healthy thing to do because it was all about me. It was kind of my way of kind of getting acceptance and, and, and love. Some of the things I didn't see in my normal reality, I could encounter through daydreaming. And I've tried many things uh, over the, the years to see a breakthrough it. And even though that wasn't my aim with this prayer and fasting over the summer, it broke it. I wouldn't say, I never would say that it's not there. But his hold was broken. And so that's why I throw that out as a kind of fasting really helps. And maybe I'd encourage you, if, if you go on this journey individually and as we do as a church, maybe try fasting. Maybe you never fasted before. and Maybe just try just a meal. Maybe just try fasting. Actually, the thing I find hardest, which I'm trying to fast at the moment, is uh, social media. Wow. I just uh, try that. 
And maybe you have fasted before, and you fasted like a, a meal, a couple of meals. Maybe try a day. Maybe try a couple of days. You won't die. But I could say it will change you. Lastly, and this idea of kind of changes at hill and stepping in, to grow, you need community. It was actually in the e-press, this kind of well-known phrase, it takes a community to raise a child. And so I like to paraphrase things, I'm told. I'd say it takes a community to make changes at hill. It takes a community to make changes at hill. Yeah, we need to take responsibility for our lives and allow God to meet us. But there's a power and a dynamic in doing it with other people, which is why we're seeking to do this as a life group. This is why you know, Mervyn and Claire are going to be um, kind of offering you know, this course, Changes at Hill, because you get an opportunity to do it in community. There's power in that. We know that. You know, one of the most successful things in seeing you know, alcoholics' lives transform is Alcoholics Anonymous. You can look at it. In some ways, it's incredibly simplistic, some of the stuff they do, but there's a real strength and value in doing it in community. And so if we want to be people that change and move and grow in this, I'd encourage you to be in a community. And so that's another question. Those who know me, I like to ask questions. You know, I asked, where do you want to grow? How do you want to grow? Maybe a third question for the morning to kind of chew over your lunches. What community is going to go on this journey with you. Who's going to ask you those questions? How are you growing? How are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you getting beyond the plaster and getting to the, the wall, the real thing? Who's going to ask you those questions? And this takes time. This takes investment. That's why some of you might not remember <laughs> Uh, around September time, we, we did a series, October, a series on community. These are where the practices really hit the road, when you begin to work through difficult and challenging things like this. So we're just going to take some uh, time. This is a warning to Lord. And um, I wanted to throw that out to you again, this challenge. And it, in some ways it feels strange asking it, but I know I need to keep asking myself day by day, do I really want to change? Do I really want to grow? And so I'm just going to lead us in prayer. Uh, I've seen yeah, David's around. And um, maybe as I've been saying these things, um, just going to maybe just respond. You might want to kneel. You might want to just put your hands out. I've been talking about, very frankly, some of the areas in my life where I've seen repetitive things. And I have had to make choices. Even sharing that today was a choice. You know, I sat here and I had various things in my notes. It's like, do I want to share these things? Do I want to be this rule with you? And it's like, yeah. Do you want to be raw? Go back to the brick. And so it is. I'm just going to lead a prayer and I'll hand over to Laura but and you can use these words or use your own words God I want to change I want to be different I thank you for what you have done in my life 
But I'm still very aware, Lord, of just brokenness and hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness and just things in my life, Lord, I keep seeing coming back again and again. And God, I really want to change. And I want to take that invitation to forget the former things, Lord, to be with you and to walk through my past, through these hurts, through the pain. And God, I know it will be difficult. And I just say, God, give me the strength. Give me the courage. Give me the boldness to take that journey. God, come and strengthen my resolve. Come and hold my hand. Because only you know the way. Because I've tried so many different ways, God, to see this change. My own ways. My own determination. My own self-discipline. But lead me down this path, Lord, of healing. Lord, lead me down this path, Lord, that will take this area of kind of wilderness and bring life, Lord. This place of brokenness, Lord, to bring your beauty in and through it, God. And so I say, yes, God. Spirit of God, fall. Empower me and lead me into this season of change and transformation. just before we